Okay, y'all, back to regularly scheduled programming and formatting here. We're going to dig into some confessions of an online coach and get a little bit of an update on what I've been up to lately, since that's kind of been a non-factor here for a little bit. So let's get into it. And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set. With your host, Darren Starr. There's this phrase that I really love, uh, and I use this in uh, check-in notes with clients all the time, so any of my clients here listening to this have probably heard this from me before, and that phrase is, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Meaning there is a tendency, a human tendency to kind of see everything through um, the, uh, the focal lens of your specialty, basically. So like, you know, when I talk with random people about their diet, I tend to you know, approach it from a bodybuilding perspective, which isn't necessarily what everybody's looking for, but it's what I know. So, you know, I'm the hammer, they're the nail figuratively speaking. Um, and uh, I had this cl- uh, conversation with a client yesterday with his check-in. He's got some back issues and he's seeing all these different people for it. And whether he sees a regular doctor or an orthopedist or a massage therapist or a chiropractor, they all think that their solution is the right one. Like the chiropractor says, oh, well, you just need adjustments and you need to come see me three times a week for the next, you know, forever. And that's it. Um, and the orthopedist is like, oh no, it's disc degeneration. We can see it here on the MRI. And you know, the uh, chiropractor says, no, it's not that sports massage therapist thinks like, oh, it's your psoas that are tight. it's like, everybody sees it through their own lens. And the real question is who's right. So all of that is beside the actual point here. Um, I, th- I think I'm slowly figuring this out where, um, I mean, it's taken 237 episodes to, and I still haven't figured it out, but I'm getting there <laughs> where I think I know like what my lane is for this podcast. So, um, and I don't think the, the video thing is the solution there, but I, I spent this time renovating my office to turn it into a video studio. And so the last podcast that I did, I did it on video. It looked great, but I'm like, it's just, I just don't think it's the right format for this. For interviews, yes, but when it's just me, I don't think so. I don't think so. Like making it a multimedia thing and, and using some video with it is just not helpful um, for those trying to go for an audio experience. So, um, you know, they're, they're growing pains you learn along the way. So it also significantly increases the time and difficulty in getting new episodes out. And uh, I don't have that time, so <laughs> I need to save the video stuff for things that are exclusive to video and uh, for podcast stuff. Leave it just to audio. Do it as separate things. Totally fine. So here we are. So you'll notice like things sound a little bit more familiar. I'm back on the uh, old mic here, uh, and uh, I'm good to go. I'm I'm in my robe right now. I didn't have to dress up for this, which is lovely. So. Uh, you know, I probably look somewhat homeless right now. Um, didn't didn't get my hair ready or anything like that. Like it's just so much, so much less prep for a podcast. Jesus Christ! Oh my God! So much better this way. Um, so and it should be easier. Turn things out on the regular as well. 
And if I'm doing this in video, I have like things to coordinate to get ready, et cetera. Like, oh, how am I going to be prepared? Because you can't yammer on camera just endlessly um, the way that you can in an audio podcast if it's on YouTube and expect people to watch it, especially like, you know, these are people that don't necessarily know me. Um, but, but y'all that have been listening to this, you know, me, you give me a lot of latitude here. Like, Oh yeah, that's Darren. He can be a dipshit for a little while. And that's fine. So, um, I've also been listening to a few more podcasts, um, and kind of taking some formatting notes, et cetera. And just kind of generally like, eh, okay. All right. And f- figuring out what works for who, et cetera. So, uh, I am going to very quickly, um, early promo here, 865-518-6569. That's the call-in number. I want people calling that number. Um, I have, um, here, case in point, um, the uh, last episode we did, 236, it was the video one. Um, I had a couple people tell me, because um, my client Michelle called in with uh, a couple of questions, which was great. Uh, a few people told me they couldn't hear her. And another reason, like, you know, trying to do that in video, um, and I had too many audio sources here. Um, when I'm doing it just as an audio-only podcast, it's way easier to make that work. So um, the last phone call that I have on this number, last message, is um, from my mom. And the transcription says, hello, I'm calling you back on this number. I hope it's a good one. I do not hear an echo, so call me back. Love you. Thanks, Mom. Um, I, on my re- So this is my Google Voice number here. Once again, 865-518-6569. Write it down. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, <laughs> hold on. Note to self. Put phone number in show notes. If I can actually remember to do that, it might help. I probably promised that before and I forget, but call in, please leave, leave your questions. I won't answer. I don't want to talk to you. I mean, no offense, but I don't. Um, but I do want your, I do want your messages here. So, um, I'm having all these kind of problems with my regular phone where, um, whenever I call anybody, they just hear this horrible echo, like speakerphone or not, doesn't matter. Um, and it just makes it impossible to talk to anybody on the phone, which honestly is great. I like that because now I have a built-in excuse for not wanting to, not talking to anybody, which is awesome. So, uh, but yes, uh, if you call this number, you won't get that, but I will get a message from you, which I can then download, bring it into the uh, uh, episode as I record it and do all the fun things there. So uh, give me your questions. Just give me comments, whatever. Um, seen any good TV shows lately? I have. You know, we did that episode sometime back. I think it was last summer. I don't know. Episode I did with my wife where we just talked about TV shows. Um, I still have that note on my phone of all the ones we didn't get to, and there's been a lot since then as well. It might be time for a part two on that sometime soon. The strange thing is, like, that's the one episode that I've gotten the most comments and feedback on. So kind of tells me like maybe this should just be like a pop culture review podcast or something like that. I don't know. Might be more, more productive. Um, the other thing I've, I'm realizing here is like, uh, uh, this podcast has never been monetized. Like I don't make any money from doing this thing. And it occurs to me like, well, I should. So I'm kind of actively thinking of ways to do that without really making it, uh, a crappy listening experience. So, I don't know how I feel about like sponsored ads or anything like that, but, uh, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking the the wheels are turning, wheels are turning. So, 
Um, so I do have a few things I want to talk about here today. Um, and, uh, I figure it's, it's good to give a little bit of an update just because on me, just because I think there's some lessons to be learned from this. You know, if anybody can, uh, learn from my mistakes, I'm happy to make more of them so y'all can learn. So we'll, we'll dive in on that to start off with here. Um, so I am, uh, I have decided I'm doing a show this coming year, June 8th in Chattanooga battle at the river. So it's a quick 90 minute drive from home. So, and the timing kind of works out. It's right at the start of summer. Um, so I can prep during the school year, wife's a teacher, um, and then have the summer free once the show comes and goes, um, no plans to do anything after that. So, um, so prep for that's going to start, uh, January ish, like probably mid January, go for about a 20 week prep. Um, been kind of strategizing with coach about that talking with her in a few hours today, um, to kind of game out. I missed last week. Um, the, uh, she, she's a big, a big phone fan. Like I am not, but like when she checks in with me, she wants to do it via phone. Um, so I'm like, all right, that's fine. I missed her call last week cause I was getting a massage and then we just were never able to connect after that. And it was the holiday and it was a giant fucking mess. So, um, anyway, got a lot to catch up on here, but basically my story is I've been in a growth phase since I want to say like July, something like that. Um, been pushing calories up. So they've been up around the 5,000 range for a while. That's per day. Um, <laughs> uh, 5,000 per week wouldn't be much 5,000 per day. It's a lot. Like the numbers are, I could pull them up, but I'll just give you ballparks here. Like 300 for protein, like 550 for carbs and 110, 115 for fat. So I'm like, it's like 4,800. I'm rounding up when I say 5,000. It sounds more impressive. Whenever you hear somebody say like, Michael Phelps eats 10,000 calories a day, just punch that person in the throat. No, he doesn't. He never has, never did, never will. Nobody does. Unless you're like an eight foot tall strongman competitor, that's the only kind of person that's going to put down even close to that. And they're not going to do it every day. I promise you that. Like, it's just not possible. And a guy like Michael Phelps, elite athlete though he is, he is not putting down 10,000 calories a day and probably never has in his life. So throat punch anyone who says that he does. Because um, I can tell you, you know, I work with people professionally who follow diets and like that's, that's the process that I go through whenever I start working with anybody like, hey, tell me about your diet. Oh, I eat about 4,000 calories a day. Huh. Okay. Well, based on your body composition, I don't believe you. So we're going to come in at 2,500 and see how that feels. And that feels like too much. So uh, people are horrible estimators of how much they take in horrible. When I say I'm at 4,800 calories per day, I know I'm at 4,800 calories per day because a, it's miserable and I can barely do it. And it's all every bite of it's tracked. Um, for estimating your calories, everybody's bad at that game, everybody. So, and everybody overestimates, I can promise you that. Anyway, I've been eating a ton. Um, and generally like I I'm on a stretch here where I've had like the most cons consistent stretch of really good, high quality training in a while. So I feel like it's been a productive growth phase. Um, you know, I'm up about 20 pounds. I did a little cut from April to July, got down to around 218 or so. Um, well, I'm up, up 25 pounds. I'm up around 243 ish right now. Um, it's not all solid, but you know, good, good chunk of it is. Um, I feel like it's been super productive, but lately, um, I've just been super tired. We made the decision to, 
um, switched to training legs three days a week. And I think that like for a month that worked really well. And then it's like, okay, now I'm crashing and burning. Like I got nothing in the tank. All I want to do is sleep all day long. It kind of feels like my body's trying to get sick, but I don't really have any symptoms other than just being tired. Um, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's ugh. And so it got to a point where it's like, like I hit that wall where it's like, I just don't even want to go to the gym anymore. I don't want to eat anymore. That happened uh, weekend leading into Thanksgiving. So um, like that Friday, the Friday before Thanksgiving was a scheduled rest day. I'm like, good, I need this because holy crap, it's a low carb day. And I'm like, thank God for lower carbs. It's only like 50 grams lower. So it's not much of a break, but still I'm like, oh, thank God. And I go back on Saturday for legs and it was just the biggest dog shit workout I've had in forever. Like I even took a 40 minute nap beforehand just to make sure I was well rested when I just couldn't move any weight at all. I'm like, okay, this was a waste of time. I'm going to take tomorrow off as well. That was Sunday. Went back in on Monday for some chest and shoulders, did some work, didn't feel good about it. And that's when I'm like, okay, I need to take some time off. Um, work is about to get crazy for this week. Cause I'm taking Thursday off. Um, took the, uh, took all day to, drive down to Alabama to see family. And so drive down, hang with family, drive back on the same day. Uh, it's like 10 hours on the road plus five hours there. Super long day. Um, I'm like, I'm just going to take this week as a, a goose egg. I'm going to just pull back on the diet. I'm not going to eat irresponsibly. I'm just going to eat less <laughs> and uh, take a week to rest and then get back to it. Um, I took Friday off. I was actually planning um, the day after Thanksgiving. I was planning to go back to the gym, but some stuff happened. And for one of the first times in a long time, I was kind of planning to go to the gym and didn't. Um, and it was because we had an electrician come to install some stuff. And I was hanging out with him and he kind of needed an extra set of hands. And he ended up being here for three hours. And I thought he was going to be here for like an hour. So um, that was a big interruption of the day. I went back on Saturday, had a good back workout. Sunday had, again, an absolute dog shit leg workout. So then I was like, well, crap, do I I need to take another week off, but I went back Monday and yesterday as I record this now had a really good arm session. And then I'm like, no, I just have some kind of a mental block with legs. I think I'm okay for the most part. So, um, tomorrow is a scheduled day off and then, um, get back to it and probably hit legs on Wednesday and see how it goes. So, um, anyway, it, it feels like my productivity has definitely taken a little bit of a hit here of late. Um, but I've got to kind of struggle through a little bit and keep keep checking the boxes and try to not make it just too perfunctory. Um, like try and still make it a, a decent quality of work, um, uh, leading into January and also make sure that I'm not just completely dragging my ass. And then once prep starts, I'm still like completely tanked. Um, so it's, it's a little bit of a balancing act right now for me. So that's where I'm going here. Um, <clears throat> a couple of things. What did I want to talk about here? I had, um, where was it? So, We've got this here. This will be kind of fun. Um, and then, uh, where was it? There's something else I wanted. Well, we'll figure it out. Um, some of these are ideas that I had for, um, for videos that I might do, but I also like, this is a good opportunity to kind of like, you know, workshop some of these ideas, um, before I spend time like scripting them out for a video and doing all that crap. So, um, yeah, so uh, the, the first thing I wanted to touch on is kind of like, it's a little bit of a grab bag, but I would call this uh, this segment Confessions of an Online Coach. Um, and it's funny because I know I got a lot of clients who listen to this and they're going to be like, oh my God, he's talking about me with that. And I just want to stress like, 
Yes, I probably am. Like, if you think I'm talking about you, there's a good chance I am. Um, but just keep in mind, like, most of this stuff is I'm laughing at myself and my OCD with things, right? So, um, and, and some of this is just going to be, like, things that come up a lot as questions. So, less confessional, but more like, hey, let's, uh, you know, the, 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 this would be, like, notes from online coaching, things that are worth talking about. So, a little bit of a grab bag thing here. So, let's talk about let's dive into some of my uh some of my ocd peculiarities um and like the challenges that i go through on an average day again this is mostly just to laugh at myself um i recently watched the movie nope by jordan peele um i don't know if anybody's seen that but very i won't i won't spoil anything but um, it, it's spoiled in the trailer actually. So I can, I can say it's, it's about some kind of alien presence that comes, uh, to earth and is just kind of like, you know, haunting slash terrorizing a little bit. And it's kind of mysterious. Like, what are they doing? But the main characters, they see some things and their response is, is always just like, nope, <laughs> like this is not happening. I did not see that. And that is the same response that I get whenever uh, that I have whenever I receive an email that is more than two paragraphs long. Like I click on it, I open it up, I say nope, and I go back to inbox and like I'm going to deal with that later, Uh, (laughs) which is hilarious because I'm always asking for uh, people to send me more information. It's something about the wall of text, especially if people don't break up their paragraphs um, very much. It's like, this is more of like a page and then a line break and then another page. They're not, they're not really paragraphs so much. And there's just some kind of a disconnect where my eyes see that and they just want to run away. Um, and it's like, I've got to build up the courage to, to go and, and actually like read it. And it takes a little time. It might take me about 30 minutes or so. And every time it happens, uh, it's the same reaction. Nope, back out. And then I just stop and laugh at myself. I'm like, you do realize this is your job, like to read these emails, right? Like, where is this coming from? I have no idea. It's just a reflexive reaction. And I think it's just because I don't like to read. Maybe. I don't know. Um, It's just, it's hilarious. So I have to stop and laugh at myself because it does happen, you know, uh, at least a dozen times a day. (laughs) And sometimes I get in the mode where it's like, all right, motherfucker, you can do this. You can do this. Click. I'm reading this email right now. And I feel like beast mode has been engaged because I am, you know, keeping my eyes open and reading an email that was sent to me. And I feel like a fucking hero. Is that lame or what? But as we say, this is confessions of an online coach. And if it's not embarrassing, it's not a confession. So there you go. Confession. Um, other things, less embarrassing. Um, but, um, I've had a few clients historically who, um, will send me an email and they'll put the body of the email in the subject line. I'm like, dude, I can't read this. Like, (laughs) I mean, if it happens once, like I've probably done that once where I just didn't realize I was typing in the wrong field. I have some clients who do it almost every time. Like, Oh my God, what are you doing here? And like, I don't say anything because I don't want to come across as like that guy. It's like, it's like a worse version of being the grammar police. I think it's like, you know, you're typing this email incorrectly, right? I just think it's hilarious. The other thing that, that really gets me and I find this hilarious. And this is just, again, another thing that I laugh at. I'm laughing at myself here cause there's nothing wrong with this, but people who send me an email and they put their name in the subject line, I'm like you realize that when this shows up, there is another column that already has your name in it. Right. And so what you're doing is putting that information 
in two separate columns and you're depriving me of information where I might get a little context about what this message is about. Um, and when you send an email and every subject is your name and I go to search, it's like I have, you know, I can't figure out what the hell I'm looking for if I have to search for something in the archives because everything has the same subject line. So that's a little bit of like a, hey, use email correctly, please, kind of thing. Um, but again, just kind of funny more than anything else. Um, some things that, uh, that clients do um, that I think is kind of funny and worth, worth a little bit of a discussion here. So now we're out of the confession territory and into the like, hey, let's, let's think about this stuff, right? And I, I see this multiple times every week in check-ins where somebody has had a little bit of a substandard week by whatever their standards are. And uh, at some point in their check-in, they'll say, hoping for a better week ahead. And I'm like, and I will always make a note whenever I see that. I'm like, hope ain't got shit to do with it. Like, you know, un unless the reason for your bad week was that a meteor hit your house or there was a tornado that came through or something like that. Like you got control over all this stuff, right? I mean, acts of God are one thing, but you know, having something like that hit you consecutive weeks, probably not too likely. So, um, I, I always tell people like, don't hope plan. That's what you have to do because it is within your control. Um, like how many bad weeks have I had this year? Well, last week was probably a bad week and that was just because, you know, I just burned myself out more than anything else. Like I haven't had a break in forever. Um, the last break I had of more than a day was back in April. And that was, you know, uh, taking an eight hour drive down to Savannah, staying there for a couple of nights and then an eight hour drive back. They, they were, you know, non-lifting days. They were days kind of taking a break from the diet, but you know, I wouldn't say they were particularly restful. Um, and, uh, lots of walking around anyway. So, um, like I just need a vacation where I just go and like lay on the beach for four days and do nothing else and just lay and just turn into a slug and just sleep and nap and get sunburned and that's it. Um, so I, I definitely just need a little bit of a break. So that's kind of what ultimately like led to that crappy week for me. And could I have planned better and taken a, a break before that? Sure. But everything, it, here's the thing, like it kind of sneaks up on you. Everything's feeling great until it's not. And it just falls off a cliff. Like for me, it went like, Hey, I'm feeling good. Feeling good. Hmm. I don't know about this. Boom. Shit. <laughs> like it went downhill fast. Um, so that's one of those where it's like, well, yeah, I'm hope I am now hoping to have a better week this week because I did some stuff and I'm hoping it was the right stuff. But otherwise in most cases it's like, Oh, you know, we didn't plan well last week. Here's hoping I have a better week this week. I'm like, no motherfucker. Just plan better. That's all there is to it. Don't hope plan that that's the, that's the t-shirt slogan for you. Don't hope plan. Um, Another thing that always comes up, and I think pretty much everybody can relate to this, is stress eating. And, uh, you know, what does that really help? I know I've talked about this before, but it's always worth revisiting just because it comes up so frequently. This is, this is one two-word phrase that is omnipresent in my life because there isn't a day that goes by that I don't deal with this in some way, like with a client. Um, the fact is, when you are well and truly stressed, your appetite gets suppressed. Um, short of that... And th there's some theory involved here. Um, but I think when you are presented with a, a stressful situation, I mean, like life or death 
like life altering stressful situations like you're in a car accident etc something like that or you know there's been god forbid some kind of tragedy that's occurred something like that um you're not looking to like let me go hit a burger king drive through right now that's what i need like you're eating is the last thing on your mind you have other things to worry about when it's more like just a general like my stress has spiked a little bit my anxiety is up a little bit um I believe that the most common thing going on here is we have this idea of stress eating and suddenly it's like we can rely on that as an excuse for just eating off plan. I've experienced that before. I've talked about that on this podcast before five years ago, um, almost to the week. Um, if anybody wants to be a uh, gold star student and go back and find that episode. Um, so like I've experienced that plenty where it's like, okay, I'm stressed right now. You know what? That kind of justifies this behavior. So I'm going to do it. I'm like bullshit. No, I mean, it's not, it's not a need where it's like, I'm stressed now I need to eat. It's like, you think you can get away with it is what it is. And I think if you just recognize that and you just ultimately your success in all this stuff relies more on being disciplined and being honest with yourself, just like brutally honest with yourself. Um, there's a, a concept that I think everybody should look into, which I think is fascinating. And it is, um, oh, what's it called? Radical honesty. Um, is there a website I could direct somebody to on this? I read about this in a book some years back and I don't remember, um, was it this radical honesty, how to transform your life by telling the truth? I don't know. Brad Blanton. Um, I don't know if it was actually a book on this. I think it might have been a topic in another book that I read. Um, but and, and honestly, it is it is a great way to get yourself killed if you practice it to the extreme. Um, but basically, it's like you have absolutely no filter. Like um, your an example of this would be like you and your wife are out having dinner with. Um, uh, uh, friends of yours who are also a couple and you just gradually say across the table to the other woman, like, man, I really want to fuck you. Can we go into the bathroom right now? Like that's radical honesty. Like you're going to get yourself killed or beat up practicing radical honesty, um, to the extreme, right? <laughs> like if you can't like basically any thought that enters your head comes out your mouth, that's radical honesty and, uh, not, not recommended. Um, self, Radical honesty, however, is just always being completely and totally transparent with yourself and not hiding your agenda from yourself, um, not allowing yourself cheats, not allowing yourself to get away with stuff. Like, you know, if you have a goal, you take it seriously and you're honest with yourself about how serious you are with it, uh, about it. And um, you put in a level of consistency that's commensurate with that. So like you don't say like, I'm so serious about this and then have actions that don't back up your behaviors. Like you're not being honest with yourself and it's either like, are you really serious about this or is it, does it just sound good to say that and sound good to feel that way? Um, or is it more like, no, I am serious about it, but there's some other block where I'm not allowing myself to be successful. And oftentimes that comes from like a fear of failure. Um, that, that fear of like, what happens if I throw everything that I can into this and I still don't succeed to the level that I think I should. So instead I'm going to sabotage myself so I can never see if I'm going to fail. I'm just going to force myself to fail and eliminate the possibility that I might succeed. Um, and that, that is, you know, not being honest with yourself ultimately. So, um, 
but rather, like you can, some of these books are probably full of, of additional stories like that, where, you know, taken to its ridiculous extreme is, uh, you know, definitely not a good thing, but radical honesty with yourself. Don't verbalize every goddamn thought that comes into your head, please. I mean, unless you're like really looking to see like, hey, I wonder how much I can piss people off. In which case, I highly recommend it. You're not going to find a more successful avenue for that than radical honesty. Um, here's another one. This, this comes up again on the regular. Um, and this is, you know, somebody is either sick and thinking about coming back to working out or they're on a vacation or coming back or they have surgery and they're in recovery mode for that. And that's the idea of atrophy versus just being flat and glycogen depleted. Um, so the thing is like muscle tissue, you know, there, there's several things like if you, if you look at the, um, if you step on the scale, you know, it's your entire body mass that makes up that final number that you read. And some of the things that comprise your body mass fluctuate quite a bit. Some of them fluctuate a lot less. Um, the things that don't really fluctuate bone mass, organ mass, um, like I, I think I, we'd all like to think that we're getting smarter, but our brain isn't like increasing in mass as we do. Um, like your heart hopefully is not getting bigger, like unless you're still growing as a human being. So any eight year olds listening to this, you have terrible parents. Why are they letting you listen to this? This is bad for you. Do not listen to this. Um, but also like, Hey, yeah, your heart can still be growing. That's fine. It should. Um, but you know, organs shouldn't grow. Bones probably aren't going to grow in any appreciable level. Um, we want more bone density, but that's not really going to be something that shows up on the scale. Um, beyond that muscle, um, is the, the next least, uh, volatile of those numbers. So it is going to fluctuate less than adipose tissue, body fat, which is going to fluctuate less than water. So um, over the course of, let's say, a week, let's say a week being off plan, what's going to happen? Well, your, your water is going to fluctuate quite a bit based on what you're doing. You might carry less, you might carry more. It depends on what off plan means. Like if you eat a shit ton of carbs, you're probably going to retain more water because of that. Um, if you offset that with drinking a bunch of alcohol, that's going to dehydrate you. So your water level might be, you know, mostly similar <laughs> to which people would say like, great, well, I'm just going to eat a bunch of carbs and drink and then I won't gain any weight. Wrong answer. No, I'm just talking about water retention. Like drinking alcohol can balance out water retention from added carb intake. Maybe again, at what ratio somebody will always ask. I don't fucking know. Nobody knows. Like <laughs> it's these, these are unknowable things that nobody, nobody is going into a lab and testing this stuff. Like, okay, if I overeat by a hundred grams of carbs, how much alcohol do I need to take in to offset that? Nobody's funding that research. So these are unknowable things. So don't worry about it. Stop asking questions. Um, but you know, your water will fluctuate a lot. Uh, now your body fat, again, uh, you go off plan for a week. Uh, and I'm going to define off plan here as eating relaxed, but not crazy and being less active. Right. So, um, 
it also depends on what you were doing before. Like if you were overeating, like in a caloric surplus, like I did last week, uh, up until last week, and then I take last week off where I'm just eating less, but I'm also being less active, probably not gaining body fat. You know, my intake is down. My activity is down. Like I'm not working out. I'm still getting steps in, right? Um, I'm still doing like my token 15 minutes of cardio on the bike, same as I always do, which is to say it doesn't really count for much, but it's something. Um, But uh, my intake was actually down. So, you know, I'm not gaining body fat. Now, during my week off, am I gaining muscle? Well, probably not. I'd like to think that I could, but no, I'm not working out. So why would I? Except maybe at the earlier part of the week, if I still had some growth potential from good workouts and I was still, you know, recovering well and still feeding myself well enough to build muscle from that. But again, we're talking grams. It's not ounces or pounds. It's grams. Um, And uh, am I losing muscle? Well, no, because as slow as it is to build muscle, it takes time to lose it as well, unless you are actively trying to and actively trying to lose muscle is hard. It means you're going to cardio your ass off and you're going to underfeed yourself. Think about having a really bad competition prep where you're at a massive deficit and you're doing two hours of cardio a day. That's a great recipe to lose some muscle for sure. Um, Short of that, like if you're just not lifting, you're eating kind of normal and you're not totally overdoing it on activity, you can survive without training at all for a good week or two and have atrophy be absolutely zero concern. And if it's a month, uh, the atrophy that you will experience, you can easily undo that with two weeks back on plan. Um, so like uh, very common for, you know, anybody who goes, uh, does uh, breast augmentation surgery, you know, take about four weeks off, four to six weeks off, you get back to it. And also if you like maintain the diet the whole time, like you keep your protein intake high, you don't starve yourself of carbs. So you're not just at some crazy deficit. Like, you know, if, if you're not in a massive deficit, you're not going to drop tissue. Um, you will lose hardness. You will lose fullness. You will be depleted in glycogen. And the trick here where people really get confused is that can feel like atrophy. That's where people get hung up because a uh, lack of glycogen fullness and, uh, and actually losing tissue feel very much like the same thing. Um, and also to an untrained eye, they can kind of look the same as well. If you're checking your pics over the course of a month, be like, Oh God, I lost so much muscle. It's like, okay, well go do two total body workouts, feed yourself appropriately. And you'll see like that fullness comes back. You're like, Oh, okay. Not a big deal. So point being like, take your breaks, take your recovery time as you need to, um, let yourself rest, let yourself recover, um, when you need to. Now, also, if you, if you take a week off every other week, Are you going to atrophy? Eh, No, but you're really not going to make any progress either. Like it's not just about avoiding the negative, but it's about embracing the positive and trying to make some ground at the same time. So, um, yeah, that's the big thing there. Atrophy versus glycogen depletion. So whether it is, again, if you're coming back from illness or vacation or recovering from surgery or anything like that, um, you know, the same story for all those. Um, the only issue being like, if you're coming back from vacation, cool, jump in, hit it hard. If you're coming back post-op or post-illness, you might need to ramp things up a little bit and give yourself a little bit more time um, on the clock before you feel like you've fully regained all of the steps that you've lost. And by steps, I'm just talking about like, you know, it'd be a little de- deconditioned, et cetera, which is to be expected. Um, so one other thing worth mentioning here, and this is something that I'm, I'm noticing as being a bigger and bigger issue. Um, I've never had a problem with this um, just because as a coach, like, you know, if I'm looking at macros on food, like 
I, I know what things are supposed to be, right? Uh, but I realize for a lot of people now, because I've, I've been really pressing clients for macro audio, uh, audits, um, so like, hey, when you build up your macro-based plan, send it over to me. And I'm finding it, it's so much more common. And I'm not sure if something has changed with my fitness pal recently, um, where it's, it's giving these incorrect values more commonly than it used to or what. It always depends on what you search for. But the point here is that all of those apps, I harp on MyFitnessPal because it's the biggest one, but any app that does the same thing, so Chronometer, Spark People, Lose It, whatever, all of these apps rely on uh, their own food database, which is largely user-sourced, um, meaning it is not, uh, there, there's no guarantee of uh, accuracy with any of this stuff. So whenever you log a food, you have to kind of know what the values are supposed to be and run it through your little internal bullshit detector and see if it's going to come out correct. Um, and with a lot of this stuff, I promise you it does not. Um, so I had a, an email from a client this morning and he was like, Hey, so, um, you know, for, um, I'm, I'm looking to swap out the sweet potatoes that I, cause he's working with a meal plan, but he's also experimenting with macros. So he's like, I'm looking to swap out the, uh, sweet potatoes in this post-workout meal for something else. And it looks like in doing so I can save a good bit of dietary fat. Is that something that I should be worried about? I'm like, hold the phone, buddy. Sweet potatoes don't have any dietary fat. Um, like on their own, if you're adding a bunch of butter to him, sure. But he's not what he's referencing is he has some database entry that he's found in my fitness pal that has a bunch of dietary fat associated with a sweet potato, probably because it says or implies, you know, with butter or something like that. And so I told him, I'm like, well, here's what a sweet potato should have for six ounces. It's three grams of protein. It's 35 grams of carbs. It's zero grams of fat. Like there should not be any fat in just a plain sweet potato. And so if you have a database entry that says that there is, even if it only says there's like three grams or whatever, three grams every day, let's say you do it twice a day, that's six grams every day. If your fats are low, that's a big chunk of your dietary fats that you're surrendering to an accounting error. Fix that shit. Um, but you've got to know, you've got to know. So, um, typically, and I would also say like, there's a lot of those foods and, you know, the apps that allow you to scan barcodes and stuff. Don't assume that just because you can scan a barcode that it's correct. Um, like when that comes up, always double check the numbers in the app with what is actually on the barcode. Um, I've had it happen many times where those numbers do not add up. They're not the same. Um, in which case it's like, okay, well, I guess I can't scan the barcode. Let me search and see if I can find the correct value that way. So um, it's not like, oh, barcode, cool. This is infallible. No, it can still be mistakes with that. So double check everything carefully. Um, and uh, like the USDA, USDA allows for something like a 10% margin of error in these numbers. So keep in mind, like whenever you're logging anything at all, these are not absolute values. There is always, always, every single time, always estimating involved. You can weigh it out to the gram. It doesn't matter. Like the USDA values in their database allow for like a 10% margin of error on, on the caloric values, on the macro values for things. So um, keep that in mind. 
keep that in mind. It's it's not a not an exact science. It's it's a pretty close science, but there's there's estimating and error involved in all this stuff. So if somebody says like I have my protein's two hundred and thirty six point seven grams, I'm like no, it's about two thirty five is what it is. So like don't don't imply precision with your reporting that is not there. Um, I've had people before where they're like my carb total for today was one hundred ninety seven point four two six grams. I'm like. You are not precise on that to the to the thousandth decimal point. I can promise you that. So you know it's a, it's about 190 or whatever I said. So, um, but like really, really give your numbers a good check. Like if you have a lean chicken breast, right, and you are doing a six ounce portion of that. Um, I've, there's plenty, like you can go into my fitness pal right now and do a search where it says, Oh, lean chicken breast, six ounces. Yeah. It's 50 grams of protein, nine grams of fat. I'm like, no, it's like 39 grams of protein and two grams of fat for a lean trimmed chicken breast. Like that's why we use chicken as a staple protein source in, in bodybuilding because it's lean nine grams of fat for a six ounce portion is not lean. It's not even close. Um, two. Yeah. Two grams for a six ounce portion. Oh, that's lean, a hundred percent. Yeah, um, and also a lot of them tend to overestimate um, uh, overestimate protein servings as well. So typically, if you're in the ballpark of you know a little less than seven grams of protein per ounce, that's right. So a six ounce serving multiplied by seven is forty two. A little less than forty two, forty ish. Yeah. If you find something that's giving you like you know eight grams per ounce plus or something like that. You might be looking at a raw or uncooked food entry, um, which uh, again, the other issue here is make sure that whatever you're logging is uh, it matches how you're measuring it. So if you are taking like a raw chicken breast out of the fridge and you're throwing it on a pan and you're cooking it up and you're going to eat it. Yeah. Measure that thing raw and then log it raw as well. Um, I would also say like, I don't really advise that typically just because you're usually going for a specific portion size. And if you're like, I'm going to grab this thing and measure it later, you're opening yourself up to a lot of imprecision there. So that's why if you bulk prep stuff, like I'm going to cook up six chicken breasts all at once. Cool. So you do that. And then when you measure it, uh, for, for a meal, you're pulling out a cooked chicken breast. So you, so you would log a cooked chicken breast as well. So Make sure that cooked versus raw, you're matching measurement versus what you're logging as well. Um, but a lot of you just have to know, like, what are the accurate values for these? When is this off? And so if you have a coach, ask your coach. Absolutely. Um, uh, you could also just go to Google and type in USDA food database and search for the food in there. Those are typically accurate. The problem is that that particular food database is a little cumbersome. It's, it's not the most intuitive thing to use. Like you can figure it out, but you're going to be like, okay, hold on. When I search for chicken, why are there 5,000 different entries here? Like they're all accurate, but it's like, you know, varieties of chicken and this. And so you'll find some, it's like, uh, I forget what they call it. Something to the effect of like commodity average or something like that, where it's like, this is kind of what we assume to be a normal boneless, skinless chicken breast. So, um, they, they don't call it commodity average, but it's something like that. I can't remember what they call it, but, um, especially for proteins specifically, because that's where most of the discrepancy comes from. Um, I would strongly recommend everybody right now, if you're logging things in an app, go into that app and do a gut check on the protein sources that you're using and um, see if they hit these guidelines and uh, adjust accordingly. Um, like just if, if they're out of spec, 
do a search for chicken breast or ground turkey or whatever and just use a different entry find search around because if you search for chicken breast in these apps you'll find a hundred different entries a thousand different entries one of those is going to be in line with the numbers that are actually correct a lot of them are not i would say probably the first one that comes up is always going to be wrong like plan on searching through four five six or seven of them in order to find one that adds up correctly so um that that is really like if if Someone is going to ask me like, hey, if I wanted to do a meal plan versus a macro plan, what are the what, what are the the uh, the downsides to doing a macro based plan? And I would say the inaccuracy introduced by shitty food databases in these apps is really the only downside. Um, people would be like, well, I just feel like there's too much flexibility. So I think that's a downside wrong um, because you use that flexibility to create a plan, but then you don't necessarily deviate from the plan. You know, it doesn't have to be different every day. Just like if you're following a meal plan, I'm not writing you a meal plan for Monday and one for Tuesday and one for Wednesday. It's the same fucking plan for every day. Like consistency matters. Now you don't have to be consistent like that but damn it's a lot easier if you are like it's easier to plan for it's easier to prep for it's less work um it's more of just like putting the diet on autopilot letting it happen in the background which is always going to yield better success i say always it's mostly going to yield better success here we go back to the very first thing i said in this episode when you're a hammer everything looks like a nail see i'm i'm doing that right now where i'm just saying like well the bodybuilding style of of a dietary approach is what works best for everybody not true but for the audience that i'm speaking to like yeah it, it largely does it largely does so um yeah uh, that's really it like it, it's that it's that uh lack of precision that gets introduced by the food database which is easy enough to overcome if you put in a little bit of work just to make sure that uh the entries that you're using are accurate and correct there we go everybody 237 it happened um, we got December right around the corner. I'm taking a vacation in December. Not much of one. Not much of one. Um, going to Hot Springs, North Carolina for the drum roll, please. Hold on. That was a pathetic drum roll for the Hot Springs. Um, we, uh, just booked a cabin, uh, cabin, like an apartment, um, yesterday, two days ago I don't know um for like right around Christmas so um it'll be nice there's just little value for me in trying to do work uh like on Christmas day Christmas Eve I'm like I'm gonna get out of Dodge we'll just you know resume normal activities later in the week I'm gonna take a few days off so um yeah uh 865 what's the number again hold on 865-518 hold on 518-865-518-6569. Call that number. Talk to me, but don't talk to me. Like, I, again, I don't want to talk to you. I want to hear your questions, though. Questions, comments, feedback. Um, I'll take it all. I'll take it all. Um, check out also, while you're at it, um, fivestarphysique.com. Uh, for all of your coaching needs, all of your workout programming needs, the full um, podcast archive, all 237 episodes, counting this one, are up there. Um, also, swag is up there. There are drop set um, tanks. I think I don't think I have t-shirt t-shirts, but I do have drop set tanks if anybody is interested. So um, those are um, if you go there and click on shop, I think, or maybe it's merch. One of the two. I don't know, swag, whatever. In, 
Go to the website. Look at look at the buttons. It's one of those buttons up there. Um, check that out. Um, also, check out the YouTube channel. So um, it's uh, YouTube. Uh, I don't know. Just search for Five Star Physique on YouTube. I'll 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 put a link in the show notes. Hold on. Put phone number in show notes. Put YouTube link in show notes. Um, <laughs> If I don't write it down, it ain't going to happen. If I do write it down, it still might not happen. So here's, you know, knock on wood. Um, I did put up a, uh, a video last week. Um, so in episode 236, I did that one form critique, um, right? Which was, uh, I like doing that. I think it was cool. Um, and uh, so I did a first episode of what I called technique critique um, last week. Uh, and I'm going to record another one of those. I'm hoping tomorrow and get that up. So I did um, five videos. Um, I broke down five training videos in that episode. And you can check it out and hear my comments on all those. So I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, it was pretty easy to kind of sit down and set it up. I'm like, okay, this is something like, you know, I'm trying to figure out a way to, to get some good video content going and not have it be like such a giant pain in the ass to do it with editing the whole time, etc. So that episode only took me about 30 minutes to edit start to finish. And now that I've done that one, I've got a template set up. So the future ones will go faster. So uh, I'm excited to keep doing that. I have in my folder here, I have a videos for review folder that I keep on my computer. So these are all videos that clients have sent to me that have given me permission to use their videos. Um, and I have in this folder 47, um, a backlog of 47 of these. So um, I'm going to find, you know, four to six of those um, for tomorrow or whenever and uh, get going with that. So that's all I got, guys. So thank you for hanging out here. Once again, one more time, 865-518-6569. Call me, leave a voicemail, um, and we will use, I'll, I'll use your question in an upcoming episode. And in the meantime, everybody stay safe, train hard, be good to each other, and uh, be well.